Welcome to today's CIT Tech for Business podcast. Today we're sitting down with Kyle, Rob, Jake, and members of the marketing team, Kelsey and Tara. And we're going to be discussing the future of technology and looking forward to 2023. I'm going to kick it off with introductions. And our question to our panelists is going to be, in lieu of school kind of starting today in most districts, tell us if whether or not you really like the first day of school. Um, I will kick it off and then pass the baton. Um, my name is Tara. I'm part of the marketing team here at CIT, and I will say I did like the first day of school, especially when I could drive myself to school because I am like an early bird and I wanted to get there so I could socialize and know like what all happened last night and who's mad at who um, during those high school years. So I will pass this now to Kelsey. I love that answer. And I'm Kelsey, as you mentioned, I'm a member of our marketing team as well. And I think I was the exact opposite of you. I loved shopping for school. That made me so happy. But when the alarm went off that first day, I was like, nope, whole lot of nope. People, early mornings, nope, 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 nope. So I am very thankful that today I woke up to my work alarm and I was like, I get to sit here and drink coffee and talk to less people. So it's a good day. I, I can go next. Uh, I'm I'm Kyle. I'm the president and CEO. And from my school memory side, it would really depend on the um, the age or the grade at the time side. Middle school, absolutely not. Um, not not difficult years around that middle school time frame. That uh, that six to eight side of it. As a senior, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot to look forward to as a senior side going through it. Not the less you know, two or three study halls added into the schedule and you're done by noon kind of thing. So, you know, made made it obviously a lot easier, a lot funner, and you're you're kind of enjoying being the the king of the school. So, you know, for me it really depended on the on the year and the time. I can go next. Uh, Rob Kramer, I'm the director of managed services. Um, and I'll say all throughout school, I had a love-hate relationship with the first day of school. I loved the idea of the first day of school from the idea that I knew very rarely was I ever going to actually have any real schoolwork or any homework for that first day. I hated the idea that I had to go back and, and potentially interact with other people uh, as I was not a real big people person. So um, I had a love-hate relationship all through school with that. Yeah. I'm, my name's Jake. I lead up our cloud cloud services department at CIT. I'm probably more like Rob. I wasn't the biggest fan of going back to school, I would say. I, I missed my free summer days and being able to do whatever I want, even if it meant work. I like work better than school, so <laughs> I'm happy to be out of it. Agreed, agreed. I love it. Thank you guys um, all for sharing. Love the topic. And yeah, tis the season for back to school, so a lot of fun and excitement um, for the kids. And I think also the parents like, hey, it's time for the kids to get back to school and get out of the house. So, <laughs> um, but I'll get us back on track with the topic at hand. You know, I'd mentioned before, we're gonna be talking about the future of technology. So my first question um, to all three of you is, where do you really see technology going? That's a I super broad question, Tara. <laughs> I, I can start because I go on for like three hours on this stuff, um, you know, but just a couple of things the way we kind of look at transition, transition our customers to get ready for where the future is going. And there's a big reason Jake's on this podcast with us sides of it is, is obviously the transition, the continued movement of moving 
you know, from on-premise infrastructure and on-premise systems that you have to manage, care for, uh, protect, is is again the the movement to you know really be on on a cloud and subscription-based service, and it's close to the provider and allowing the provider to own and you subscribe on a seat basis to those overall services. That's that trend obviously has been going on for a number of years. Sides with it, it's it's really matured, you know, to the point of line of business apps are pretty much the, that's the de facto model for them, um, and it definitely is on our more collaborative suite sides, your 365s, your Google G suites, uh, to those components. But you know, even most recently, in a number of years, we've been working on the transition to, you know, the end of the Active Directory. Have some podcasts on that and getting to the to the desktop management and the user credentials essentially all be in the cloud and there's no on-premise active directory either so you know that that movement combined with things like you know the the physical security side with with uh, products like Vercata and those other component sides of it bringing those in into play are definitely you know kind of a key and a key planning part for us when we work with our customer sides is identifying what that transition looks like and planning that out over the next you know, 36, 60 months, because it, it, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's definitely a a, a transition that's occurring um, within, certainly in, in the small to medium space. Um, the last talk about I'll throw out there is the, you know, the artificial intelligence integration into the, into the suites and the continued involvement of that cloud AI and, and the power that it drives to handle quick calculations, computes, quick behavioral analysis sides of it across, you know, all aspects of the technology sides of it. Security is obviously a, a big factor in both physical and uh, and and cyber side of those on, on endpoint protection and, uh, and other devices in line network, um, artificial intelligence to detect anomalies, but also in, you know, just overall, just general compute side of it, bringing in artificial intelligence to business analytics and the other sides of it, just the power of that aggregated cloud compute on the amazing things that it can drive um, and speed and efficiency sides of it is just really just starting to to blossom. And we're seeing just tremendous products and, and, and subsets coming from that. So really, really fantastic things there. I'd like to add to that just a little bit. Um, I think there is, uh, as we move forward uh, in, in, in the next year or two, I think there is a, a trend in business of um, being very cautious on evaluating that cloud compute, right? There are definitely some services and some functionalities that, that make all the sense in the world to go up to the cloud. But there are some businesses that are realizing that there are still some reasons they may not want to have everything in the cloud for performance reasons, for, for whatever. So there is a bit of a, call it a right sizing, if you will, uh, of the services and the, and the, and the, the tasks that they run, um, where they may actually pull some stuff back out of the cloud and say, this actually worked better and it was actually more uh, affordable for us to actually run this particular application this way. Um, so as we move forward and we work with our customers, one of the things we like to look at is, is just making sure we're right, you know, doing the right thing for them, making sure that the right uh, tasks and the right workloads are being moved to the cloud. Yeah, I think don't you think that aligns with, you know, again, that that why that's a, you know, could be a five year plan <laughs> because your applications have to be obviously suited for, you know, the cloud side with it. So when you change an ERP system, rather than it's the analysis of do you put the 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 ERP or line of business app, do you do an in-place upgrade or an upgrade 
you know, on premise to the next version, or does it go to their cloud offering? And in many cases, we're seeing those providers not offer the on-premise upgrade any longer. You know, so it becomes, right. you know, which is obviously a large expense and it's a change in methodology, but it's just planning ahead and knowing when it happens. It rarely is, uh, you know, we're going to have this done in the fourth quarter. We're going to get done. It's there's it's a very transitional approach to how you make that side of it, you know. And there may very well always be, you know, something that is performance wells um, with an on-premise, but they traditionally now are being added with some kind of cloud connect to them, you know, so they have kind of a hybrid approach with uh, there's some local storage, but even cloud management of the devices to allow for, you know, management purposes to be able to get to them in a secure, uh, secure consolidated manner without the requirement of having to VPN first or open up holes and firewalls and those types of things. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of aspects to all that conversation, of course. And you can talk a lot about the benefits of it too, because uh, especially in this hybrid world that we live in today, the flexibility for employees and, and the, the, the customers to be able to access resources from really anywhere they have internet, um, it, it often outweighs any other concerns of expense and stuff uh, that, that people have had in the past because they find there's the improved efficiencies and the, and the product gains that they get are, are well worth it. Yeah, I did want to, um, if you guys don't mind, pose a question to Jake, just because he does clear, um, <laughs> head up our cloud <laughs> services team. And as Kyle had alluded to, we had previously Jake on a podcast to talk about cloud versus on-prem, the SmackDown. Um, so if you haven't listened to that one, I would highly recommend that. But Jake, my question to you is, you know, when you have these conversations with customers, how are you determining you know, what that trend looks like for that organization and where they should place things. Yeah, you don't we really, talking. yeah, we really have to break apart everything that they have on premise currently today, what they already have in the cloud. And we have to really piece different cloud offerings together that satisfy their needs for what they have on premise. So we don't necessarily take what they have running in the server infrastructure today and exactly replicate it in Microsoft Azure. We take pieces apart and we say, we should move these files to SharePoint. We should move these to OneDrive. These can get moved to Teams. We take these different pieces of their on-premise footprint apart and we put it into cloud-based offerings that Microsoft has today. Once we start doing that, we realize that their need for a server infrastructure really gets quite a bit smaller than they have it today. Um, so we have better ways of utilizing the technologies in the cloud um, so that it does it does minimize that cost a little bit. If you took what you have today and match it in Azure, yeah, the cost is going to be pretty high, but we have alternatives to doing that. We don't necessarily need a big file server anymore. We can move these things into an already paid subscription of SharePoint and now our disk space and our compute space is a lot smaller than we than we already have on premise. So uh, that helps break apart that cost and kind of plan how they should move forward into the future. Yeah, and to that end, Jake, don't you think when you look at many of them already have storage costs allocated into their subscription fees they're already paying when they're already using 365 for email and maybe Teams and a few things. And then to really start leveraging, you know, the amount of OneDrive storage for what was on their home drives and the amount of baked in SharePoint storage that they already have in their subscription. Again, you're not, you're not changing your monthly spend. You're just utilizing it more to its fullest. And that's definitely a thing we've seen for, for a number of customers. 
it's it's pretty normal for customers to start with a, with a cloud-based offering for maybe email services, right? But they don't realize that their subscription they're paying for includes so much more, right? And so we can capitalize on that monthly expense of their their licensing to now offset some of their on-premise workload and really start using that that license to its fullest potential. Great. That actually um, leads me into my next question, Jake. You talked about like planning. So when we're looking at the trends for 2023, what should businesses really start planning for? How do they look into that to say, where do I prioritize and what should I be planning for? If you guys can tell me a little bit more about that. It all kind of comes down to their their on-premises infrastructure, right? And do they have aging server hardware operating systems that they need to plan for to, to get moved off of? Do they move to a newer system on-premise or do they move to the cloud? Um, they look at what they already have running in, in the cloud environments and what can they start building on upon there. So like I said before, typically we see customers start with email um, services moved up to the cloud. One thing they want to make sure they're doing after they make that transition is that they're using some sort of mobile device capabilities um, with Microsoft uh, Endpoint Manager. Um, from there, we can grow into doing um, modern desktop with their, their Windows compute devices, joining those up to Azure Active Directory so we can minimize the need for Active Directory on-premise, um, moving files up to a cloud-based storage solution. Uh, that's typically how we see that get moved and then applications right getting those moved to a, a, a cloud-based software solution so they're not we're really reducing the need for these um, end users to have to connect to an on-premise infrastructure to keep doing their day-to-day -day job at cit for instance we've we've kind of cut ties to needing to connect back to an on-premise system at all we've cut back on our vpn need um, remote desktop need things like that we've been able to pull all those into a cloud-based software solution so we can all work remotely and connect to those offerings from our house um, with the security, of course, tackled on top of that as well, just as secure as it was before, just a different approach to it. Yeah, I think in many ways it's even, you know, it, it, it's more secure in the fact that if you go to, you know, Azure AD, um, you know, we leverage Okta at CIT for, for the user identities and identity management. And by driving all these cloud systems to that as our, our source of truth for identity and doing single sign-on to those, to that single source, we're protecting one big gate, you know? So you can have very, very strong, you know, geo, um, geo policies, um, you know, travel, like, you know, unlikely travel range on login geographically to make flags of erroneous logins and, and centralized behavioral, again, where there's odd behaviors on logins to det early detect potential uh, suspicious activity. Rather than having to look at all these gates between a VPN, Active Directory, all the, all, you know, all these things, you really, can you know focus and make the investment to have very very strong securities and measures you know on on fewer points of entry and it allows for that to happen you know and that's <clears throat> that's one of the things we really uh, you know strive for on those sides is it's, it's very very difficult to protect a lot of points of entry and you you know whatever you can do to eliminate all those all those points and consolidate that it's uh, it's going to reduce risk and it's going to reduce cost in the long term. A lot easier from a management capability too to, to manage one interface and one one cohesive system in the Microsoft Cloud platform, right? One login for your user accounts, right? 
Um, so yeah, lots, lots of benefits of it. Also easier to automate. You know, you can do things like auto provisioning on those things where you create the account once and it can have, you know, auto licensing and auto assignment and the cloud desktops auto deployment of, of you know, drop ship a device and have it auto provision, you know, so it minimizes the having to have, you know, an IT resource, which everybody knows are harder to find nowadays and, you know, keeps them focused on more complex, you know, things when more complex things aren't working and automates things that are, you know, just your traditional support of new desktop patching, those types of things. So. Yeah, it makes it, it makes it pretty slick. I uh, actually had to wipe my computer a couple of days ago and from scratch, get up to up and running system fully ingested into our um, Azure Active Directory with all the apps pushed onto it. Within two hours, I was back up and running as if it had never happened. I mean, it really makes it uh, very easy to do that with new devices and with existing devices for users as well. So, and you did that without any, without even being an administrator on the on the system. No administrator. Side yeah. That's the beauty of it. That self-service IT is the is the thing there. That's what you're driving for. Yep. I um I love that conversation just about the process automation and like anything's possible it seems with the realm of that with that trend going but let's talk a little bit about that and AI and process automation like what are the benefits for some organizations to really implement that and why do we see that that's you know really important with the trend for 2023 well I'll, I'll jump in there I mean as Kyle alluded to the, the process automation the, the ability to uh, to kick off a, a process in one spot and have it have it just take care of everything so in this day and age we have we have logins to multiple portals all over the place uh, for different services if you can uh, create your user once in an identity management system and have it auto provision the user in each of these other portals uh, tie the logins all back to the single point of uh, of truth with uh, with multi-factor authentication um, it just simplifies your administration. It makes it to the point where you could literally give uh, uh, like an HR person the ability to say, here's the new user's information and have the system then take care of provisioning it and, and doing all the all the back end work through that automation, um, greatly simplifying it and, and reducing your 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 time to, to get a new user set up. Um, we're, we're really just kind of on the beginning edges of seeing that widely adopted, I think, and, and it's a it's a very exciting future for us. Yeah, yeah, the standards that are out there evolving and you're seeing more and more of the of the cloud providers are adhering to these standards to allow for that that, that single sign on, you know, slash federation to allow that single source of identity where you don't have to individually provision users within those system sides of it. They're tied to a central authentication side. Um, but as you go through those sides of it, the other point, all what Rob mentioned is is very very true side of it. The other aspect is uh, is is the, the you remove the errors from manual creation side of it, and those errors tend to be where mistakes happen, where they have greater privileges than you expected, and that becomes a potential you know data breach that that was just by human error. And when you can automate and just know this this user comes on, they are a technician. Technician goes into this group. This group means they get this, and that's done. You know, you, there isn't a mistake that they automatically got dropped in administration and now they have access to payroll or whatever, maybe, you know. So, you know, those, those, those are all just, you know, strong reasons why you want to continue to move in that direction side because it's going to, uh, you know, help mitigate potential problems before they even occur. 
Yeah. And on the flip yeah. side, the reality too is employees do leave sometimes, right? And we have right. to clean up these accounts when users are gone and to make sure we we make this minimalized, right? And in points of where we need to disable user accounts, you know, it's just a lot easier to manage that when you have a, a single pane of glass as opposed to an entire checklist of systems you have to go through. And it makes it a lot quicker too. And you need to do that on a timely basis. Sometimes we need to do it at a very scheduled time frame. It just makes it easier to do that. Yeah, that offboarding, I mean, that's a great point, Jake. That offboarding, yeah. you know, is, is, is almost as important as the onboarding. In many cases, even more critical in a lot of cases side of it to know that you offboard effectively and have that automated just like the onboarding and know that, yeah, and just schedule it. Say at five o'clock on Friday, this account is disabled and it immediately goes effect across all key systems of data points, especially when you have cloud. It becomes, you know, you need to manage that. Because uh, you don't want to have to log into each cloud system to manually do that. And I, I will say, as a network administrator uh, for years, uh, the offboarding is probably almost more important than the onboarding. Because I can't tell you how many times we've we've come back and found we missed a, a portal someplace where we forgot to remove somebody's rights. And and you know, as best we try to document it, man, if you can automate that process, it just ensures you're you're doing the right thing all the time. I will say, um, you know, a lot of this discussion tends to come back to security a lot. Yeah, and it's, it's gonna, the world we live in. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to do kind of my selfish plug here. Um, October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, so we will be talking a lot um, kind of about security measures. So I don't want to leave everybody hanging like, well, why aren't you talking more about security? But come October, we're really going to dive into, you know, what that looks like and with the landscape ever changing like how do you stay kind of ahead of that and that was kind of um, I wanted to lead into my next question is you know how do small to medium-sized businesses stay ahead of all these trends like there's so much out there you know Kyle you'd mentioned AI there's the continued growth of internet of things you know wi-fi like the 5g um, the metaverse you know how do businesses like say ah I got all these trends what do I do well, again, I, selfishly, I'd say you should be, you know, working with the technology partner side of it. I mean, if most most organizations, you know, you obviously you have your your go to market industry that you're servicing your customers in, and most likely it's not in in technology. Um, and but it is what providers like us do. I mean, it's what we're in. We're in it all the time. We have visibility to the trends. We have you know, key vendor relationships with organizations like Microsoft and HP and Dell and Cisco and those other, you know, industry technology groups that are shaping a lot of these technologies. And they're communicating that to their partner communities generally first, you know, through different, uh, you know, annual events throughout the year and the other sides of it. That's providing insight as to the trend of where it's going. And usually what they're talking about now, we start to see show up in our you know customers and in the pricing and in the packaging of, of services and offerings start to show up in 12 to 18 months after a conference in the year we're in so it is that it is those those pre-indicators that help to shape us on where we recommend our customers are going because we can see the industry side of it 
Um, you know, certainly doesn't preclude somebody who really wants to go deep in technology between all the social medias. The information's on the internet. It's obviously out there, but it's a question of, do you need to do your day job or do you want to get into this side and leverage what the partners do really well? And I think that's one of them. So I, I was trying to advocate, have a relationship there, you know, whether, you know, whatever the relationship is and how it levels, obviously up to each customer side of where, where that value comes in at, but have it, you know, we're, because, you know, organizations like ours thrive in having these conversations. We obviously have, a, you know, a lot of passion about talking about it. And it's always generally it's a zero cost to have conversations um, on those things and to get that direction. So if you don't have one, you should. No, Kyle, I think that's um, a very, very valid point there. And, you know, that's why, too, we developed these podcasts is like we're really looking to educate our community of SMB organizations out there. And we love having these type of topics so we can say, hey, we're fully aware of what's going on in today's trends and we're here to help if you do have those questions. So um, thank you for reminding everybody of all of that. So. Um, I just wanted to pose the question because I know we're going to be kind of coming up on time. Is there any other trends that you guys feel like it's really worth mentioning today that's like you gotta you gotta be aware of it and you need to get something in place? Anything stand out for you right now other than what we've talked about today? I have one. Um, okay. <laughs> shocker. Um, augmented reality, I think, is is really going to start coming. Um, I, I think that technology between, you know, you hear Microsoft floated as, you know, their their Halo, um, their, their Halo augmentative, um, you know, Google Glass was in that category. You know, they're all experimenting with this. There are some commercial products currently using it and like automotive repair and different areas, sides of it where, you know, it transposes, you know, uh, virtual on into the reality scope. Through 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 glasses or goggles, sides of what they're wearing. Um, but if you think about the potential impact of the efficiencies of of whatever the article I was reading on the auto repair was, they're wearing the goggles. They look at an engine itself, identifies the make, the model, highlights all the parts, and automatically orders. So repair times on an engine repair side go from an average of 50 minutes to 15 for the same resource side of it. Just because they're not looking at it, going back to a book or searching online and going through that, it's automatically layering exactly what needs to happen to even transposing instructional videos of how to replace the, the part or how to do those things. You know, imagine that in medical where you're looking at particular things and it's able to identify automatically using that artificial intelligence plugged in to give them that, that Iron Man style, you know, heads up that, that Jarvis provided to Iron Man side and those things is really in, in the reality scope. And I think that's going to continue to drive where we will have, you know, our Apple glasses with information in front. Um, whether it was real or not, I saw a, a, a demonstration of what they proposed was the Apple glasses, which they say is actually coded into the iPhones already for the support of it, where it shows Apple Maps being augmented on your Apple glasses and it's actually showing you the directional arrows in front of you as you're walking or driving with your glasses on. So no need to look at it, it's just in your heads up display, looking out your glasses, it's layering over top of the reality you're seeing. Um, you know, facial recognition, somebody's name's popping up while you're looking at them with your glasses and who their spouse is, who their kids are, who their age is. I mean, there, there's just, you know, a tremendous amount of stuff that just automatically feed to you through that. And I, that's, 
I think going to explode in the upcoming years. I, it's it's coming. That's like really cool stuff, but also kind of scary. And it's like, <laughs> it's back to the heart though, too, of like, how do you secure any of that information? Because I mean, it looks as though they're reading everything that they know about you. So it's like, oh, they're going to know that I have children and what their ages are and things like that. So I'm like, ah. Yeah, there'll be podcast. more data privacy laws, podcast. I'm sure. There'll be more data privacy yeah. laws following through, like, you know, GDPR and those other sides of it. They'll, you're, there'll be a whole wrath of, of, of regulations around it, like any kind of disruptive technology tends to spawn new new areas of concern and, and data privacy side of it. So, yeah, it, it, it'll all be there. But you, you look at, like, every technology shift and as new technologies evolve, there's, there's a... There's always, you know, some give and take. There's a there's a lot of advancements. There's a lot of efficiencies. Like could save a lot of lives. It could save a lot of, you know, response time. It can make make more talented people more efficient and allow that talent to have access to more, you know, to allow a doctor to see more patients because they can operate faster. You know, saves lives. I mean, those things are, are are dynamic. Are very, you know, dramatic. And the other sides of it is there a negative? Sure. You know, are there data privacy? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, but. You know, I for one very excited about it. If Apple glasses came out next week, I'd have them. I mean, I, I'm I'm all in. You know, so. Um, I was gonna say, Kyle, cool. do you, are you signed up to like be the pre-order of these glasses? Because I'm like, we're gonna have you on a podcast, and you're just gonna tell us all about these cool glasses. Hey, they they launch. I'm on the I'm on the click. You know, on the Apple Store to buy it the the launch day. I'm I'm in. I'll be Gen One. I'll I'll take it. As I said, we need to marketing test those, right? Right? Mm, yeah, <laughs> love it. Oh, I'd like sure I'd like to throw I'll be waiting for the contacts version of that, Kyle, and then I'll be on board. Oh. There, you yeah, there you go. Can I, can I throw one other thing for businesses to consider going forward here? And I think it's one that uh, is also going to gain in popularity, and that's that's really computers as a, as a as a service. So rather than buying your computers for your employees, you basically lease them or rent them. You you have a, a package deal. You got a new employee. They get a computer, that's a, they get an account set up, and you just have a month of cost for it. I think that's something that's going to take off more in the future. Uh, we've seen a little bit of that in the past, but I think it's becoming more popular because as, as you have these, these dynamic changes in the workforce, um, you can kind of get it down to, I just know what my cost is for an employee. I, I don't have to buy a whole computer. I don't have to try to get it to last a certain amount of time. It's just taken care of. It's bundled into my service. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that You're talking about going to an operational, an OPEX versus a CAPEX. and. Yeah. Yeah, and, and OPEX slash subscription uh, compute is, uh, I'd agree with that. I, that's definitely obviously been the trend in the software side if we were just talking about with the other cloud side of it. But yeah, I think the, the what what comes along for the ride is say, if I have everything else in an OPEX, you know, subscription thing of it, why can't I get, you know, the, my compute power in the same program side of that? And we're actually looking at that at CIT as an offering as well. So those are things that, um, you know, I'd agree with that, Rob. We are looking at because I think there is a there is a marketplace that that has the you know has the demand for that kind of approach and wants that kind of consistency where there's tons of fatigue on the um, you know every time I meet with you, you give me another quote to buy more hardware, and they want you know some consistency on it to say I I I would just like to know how much technology costs on a per employee and know that it's capped at that so I can run the rest of my business. And, um, you know, I think there is there's an appetite for market for that. Oh, that's great. I think that's a nice um, ending note for today's podcast. I mean, it was great. We talked about these technology trends for 2023. 
we dove into a lot of the process automation, some of the cloud services of what that looks like moving forward. And as you mentioned, um, just the computing piece of how that can easily be accessible, but still with security kind of at the heart of everything. Um, so I wanted to thank Kyle, Rob, Jake, and Kelsey um, for today's um, conversation. As you guys all know, we love to talk, which is why we've got these podcasts going. And we can tangent at time, but I'm all in for the Apple glasses. So <laughs> we can get on the waiting list here soon and, and test those out. But um, as always, if you have any sort of feedback or even additional topics that you guys want us to talk about, please visit cit-net.com backslash podcast, or you could email us at info at cit-net.com. And as always, we look forward to chatting with you more next week. Thanks, everyone.